Well, as we continue to worship this morning, I invite you to open your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 3. This morning we are going to finish up this section, so to speak, of 1 John here in chapter 3, down in verse 10, as we move into this kind of final section uh, that we see in this letter. Uh, And as we do, I trust that the Lord will use it in each one of our lives, that the Spirit of God would apply it to each one of our hearts in whichever way He deems fit and good, and that we might leave this place with a better understanding of what the Lord has called us to do and how He has called us to do it as we trust in Him. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, as you turn there, let us turn to the Lord one final time in a word of prayer as we give ourselves and this time to Him. Let us pray together. Father, what a blessing it is for us to be able to gather in this place. Father, what a blessing it is for us to have your word. Father, that we are no longer groping about in the darkness, trying to understand who you are, but that you have given us a clear presentation and full display of your glory in the person of Jesus Christ. Even as that spirit has applied that redemption and salvation to the hearts of your people and is carrying out the life and the work of the spirit even through us. Father, as we seek to understand who you are and what you have called us to do, may we not look towards emotional experiences necessarily, But may we first and foremost look to your word. May your word guide and direct us in the midst of even confusing times. Even in times when it seems like your face is hid from us, Father, may we go to your word. May we reassure our hearts of your presence and protection over us. And may you give us hearts of faith that we might see your goodwill and purposes as they are carried out in this earth. Father, would you be with us now as we seek to understand better your word in order that we might worship you better and that we might live as those who bear the name of Christ. What a pleasure and a blessing it is for us this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, beloved, we have been working through the first letter from the Apostle John to the churches. And we have spent several weeks covering the portion of John's letter from 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, all the way down to chapter 3, verse 10. Now, what we've seen so far throughout this letter is that John has established the nature of Christ's work in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way up to chapter 2, verse 17. He has even addressed the enemies of Christ's work in chapter 2, verse 18, down to verse 27. And the focus, really, of this section in 1 John, verses 28 down to 310, is the manifestation of Christ's work, Or maybe to say it 
a bit more accurately how we might manifest the work of Christ in our daily lives even as we abide in him. And what we have noticed is that from our confidence on that great day to our resurrection and glorification, even to our own production of righteousness, all of that is for the purpose and the end and the goal of exalting Jesus Christ and his work. You see, John's motivation at the heart of John's message in this section as well as the entire book and we could say even of the whole Bible is to exalt what Jesus Christ has accomplished in his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and even his return for those who believe and abide in that belief. John's goal and aim is to marvel and for us to marvel this morning at what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I believe and trust that that is our heart as well. I trust that as we walk into this room on Sunday mornings, our desire is to set aside all focus on ourselves, whether it be our own works or even our failures, and to extol the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done. I trust that when we walk into this room every Sunday morning that our desire is the desire of the psalmist in Psalm 34 where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. At the heart of our text for this morning and the passage that we have been looking at, even the heart of the whole letter of John is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in the manifestation of his work, in the incarnation, in the recreation, in the resurrection and even in the demonstration of his righteousness through the saints. What we notice in our text for this morning is this idea of the manifestation of Christ appears again and again and again. Notice it with me throughout this text. Now in order for us to see this most clearly, I have provided for you in the bulletin inserts the Legacy Standard Bible Translation, because I believe that it does the best at getting at the heart and mind of the Apostle here in this text. And it does this for two reasons. One, because it carries this idea of the manifestation of Christ throughout the entire passage, but it also shows us most clearly, I believe, how that work is manifested especially in the saints. So notice the focus here, or at least a reoccurring theme here throughout 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 on the insert in your bulletin, it says this, And now, little children, abide in him 
so that when he is manifested, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. See how great a love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God, and we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. It does not recognize us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been what? Manifested what we will be. We know that when he is manifested, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who does sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Verse 5, and you know that he was manifested in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or has come to know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does sin is of the devil, because the devil has sins from the beginning. The Son of God was manifested for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil, devil are manifested. Everyone who does not do righteousness is not of God as well as the one who does not love his brother. I trust that you see as we read through that, this idea of being manifested is repeated six times throughout that entire verse, which means that John is putting a certain amount of emphasis on this idea. One of the goals of Christ's work is to manifest the glory of God even in the face of Jesus Christ as he accomplishes salvation for those who believe. Now remember what the main idea or the main theme of this text is as we see it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. The command there is that we are to abide in Christ. And what we've noticed throughout this text is that John gives us these certain goals or ends for which we are to abide in Christ. The first, if you recall, is that we might have confidence in Christ on that great day. The second, if you recall, is that we might too be resurrected and glorified on that day as we abide in Christ. The third to refresh your memory, is that we might produce righteousness even as he is righteous as we abide in Christ. And what we find here in verse 10 is a fourth and final purpose or goal or end for abiding in Christ. 
And what is that final goal? What is that purpose? What is that end? It's so that we might manifest ourselves as the children of God. Notice it with me again in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. The apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and therefore with the very authority of Jesus Christ himself, says to us this morning in verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are what? Manifested. Everyone who does not do righteousness is not of God, as well as the one who does not love his brother. What we see here in this verse is that the final goal or purpose for abiding in Christ is that the reality of us now in this very moment being descendants and heirs and seeds of Christ is that we might manifest that reality, that we might put it on full display for all to see. Now it's important for us to understand what John means here exactly when he calls us to manifest the reality of Christ. And so what I want to do this morning is essentially answer two questions, or at least attempt to answer two questions this morning concerning this text. And the first one that we see, if you're following along in your bulletin insert, is what does John mean by the word manifest? When John says that we are to abide in Christ and as we do, we produce righteousness and therefore manifest ourselves to be the children of God, what does he mean by that exactly? Well, this word for manifest that we find in verse 10 is the word to communicate the idea of putting something on full display. Now, in order for us to understand the true nature of the emphasis here, I think it's important that we consider this idea of manifesting something or putting something on full display in the other context in which it occurs in our text. And what we see from chapter 2, verse 28, all the way down to chapter 3, verse 10, is that Christ is manifested in three ways. We see that Christ will be manifested in the second coming. We see that Christ was manifested in the first coming. And we see that Christ is now manifested through the people of God. And so in order to understand this, let us consider those first two things as we seek to understand what is the nature of the manifestation of Christ in the second coming, in the first coming, and now in the interim. Well, what we know about that day, that coming day, when Christ will be manifested is that it will be evident for all to see. What we know about the manifestation of Christ in the second coming is that it will be absolutely unmistakable. We will not come to that day and wonder to ourselves, is this actually the return of Christ? Because as we see throughout the scriptures, that day will come even as the lightning flashes from the east to the west. 
John says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. As John thinks about that great day, as the Spirit of God reveals to him what that great day will be like, he assures us that we will not miss it, beloved. That it will be put on full display, manifested for all to see and realize what is coming. That in that day, Jesus will come in all of his might and power and glory And who Jesus Christ is will no longer be hidden, but it will be made manifest for all to see. You see, beloved, that which is concealed now will one day be put on full display in that great revelation of Jesus Christ when he returns in all of his splendor and glory. And even as we learned last week, that which we long to be, but we are yet to be in the resurrection, also, beloved, has a certain hidden nature to it. That as we gather here this morning, or even as we approach one another on the street, we have yet to be seen in all of the fullness of the glory of the resurrection that the power and splendor of Christ to a certain extent is hidden within these jars of clay. And yet on that great day, all of that which is hidden beneath will be unveiled, it will be uncovered, it will be manifested. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 through 4 says this, For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. One thing that we have to understand about our salvation is that there are certain aspects of our salvation that are hidden or concealed. That this internal work of the Holy Spirit that has regenerated our hearts, which we will get to in a second, and has transformed our inner man has yet to be put on full display in all of its glory. And we will wait for that day when Christ returns. But what John says here in our text is that there is a certain measure of that transformation that is being displayed now. That there is a way that as we appear on that great day of Christ's return, we now enjoy and demonstrate to the world around us. There is a certain way by which what is hidden is actually manifested and put on full display. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Before we go to how that is manifested, let us look 
Secondly, at the first way in which Jesus Christ was manifested, that is to say that he was manifested in the past. Notice what John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 in this text. He says in verse 2 that we are children of God and what we are has yet to be manifested, but it will be manifested on that day. And in verse three or in verse five, he says, and you know that he was manifested in order to take away sins and in the, in him, there is no sin. What we know and understand about Christ's manifestation in the past, that is in his first coming is that he came in order to secure righteousness for all who believe. Not only in our justification, but also as we have been learning throughout this text, also in our sanctification. Christ was manifested in order to bring about the fullness of righteousness for those who believe. And we see this over in Romans chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that text in Romans chapter 3, where we see the Spirit use the very same word that he uses here in 1 John chapter 3, in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And what we find here in this text is the purpose or the goal or the end for which Christ was manifested in the incarnation. It says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, we know from Paul in Romans chapter 3 as well as from the rest of the Bible is that the reason Jesus was manifested in his first coming was in order to establish righteousness for those who believed. And the, one, the way that he does that is by himself perfectly obeying the law and therefore securing that righteousness for us. John chapter 6 verse 38 says this, For I have come down from, Father, from, the fa or from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. We know in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. God put his righteous character on full display as he sent Jesus to this earth and into humanity 
in order that he might perfectly keep the righteous requirement of the law, Romans chapter 8, and therefore secure a righteous standing for those who believe and impart to them the power of righteousness as they walk in the Holy Spirit. You see, the righteousness of Christ was clearly displayed in the first coming in the righteous character and deeds and actions of Jesus the Christ. And so what we learn about the second coming and what we learn about the first coming is to be imported into what John says here about this third manifestation of the power and righteousness of Christ. What we understand is that Jesus will be manifested in the future unmistakably in power and glory. And he was manifested in the past in order to secure perfect righteousness for those who believe. Then how are we to demonstrate or in what manner are we to manifest the reality and power of Christ in the interim? And what we learn in our text is that we manifest the power and glory of Christ even in our righteous doings. That as we live by the power of the Spirit and as we obey the law of God, we are showing again and again the reason why Christ came in the first coming and what he will establish fully in the second coming. We are Christ's representatives here on this earth, and as Christ works in and through us, we demonstrate, we manifest, we put on full display that reason for which Christ came and established salvation. Therefore, this answers our second question for this morning. How are we to manifest the glory of Christ? How are we to manifest the power of Christ? It is by doing righteousness. How do those who oppose Christ and have yet to be transformed, manifest themselves as not the children of God, but as the children of the devil. It is by doing unrighteousness. The children of God are manifested in their deeds of righteousness, and the children of the devil are manifested in their deeds of unrighteousness. You see, beloved, if the production of Christ is righteousness, and if we have been united to the source of Christ, and if we abide or remain in that source for righteousness, then the world sees the glorious work of Christ through our works of righteousness. The children of God manifest the power of Christ in their righteous doing. You see, beloved, we now, as John points 
us to. We now are the children of God. We now are the manifestation of God's righteous character in the interim between Christ's first coming and second coming. One day Christ's righteousness will be fully manifested on this earth but until then, as Paul says in, first, or in 2 Corinthians, we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. Which means then that we are to conduct ourselves according to the ways and the works of our king. And how does that king work in and through us? He produces righteous actions. He overcomes the power of the flesh and produces in us the fruit and the works of the Spirit. The way that we manifest the power of Christ on this earth is through our righteous doings. And notice that that is what the text says for us this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. If you're in Romans chapter 3, turn back to 1 John chapter 2, or again, you can find it on the insert in your bulletin. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is manifested, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. See how great a love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God and we are. For this reason the world does not know us. It does not recognize us. It cannot see the hidden reality of the work of Christ in and through us. Because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it is yet to be manifested what we will be. We know that when he is manifested, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who does sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or has come to know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does sin is of the devil because the devil sins from the beginning. The Son of God was manifested for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God and by this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested everyone who does not do righteousness is not of God as well as those who do not love his brother notice what John says at the beginning of verse 10 he says by this by this, the children of God are manifested 
By this we know who belongs to God. By this we know who are the children of God. By this. Well, what is this exactly in this text? The word by this is a a demonstrative pronoun, which means it's referring either back or forward to something. Now, commentaries are divided on what is the proper reference for this pronoun, whether it's referring back or referring forward. But might I submit to you this morning that I believe it's referring both back and forward in this text. John says, by this, you know who the children of God and the children of the devil are. Notice what immediately precedes this demonstrative pronoun. How do we know who the children of God are? First answer, because the seed of Christ abides in those who believe and therefore produces righteous deeds. You see, what we have to believe this morning and embrace in full faith is that that generative principle, that work of regeneration, is so powerful that it actually produces the thing that it was intended to produce. That is righteous doings. The work of Christ in an individual soul will inevitably produce righteousness because it is righteous. And therefore, we know those who belong to Christ because they produce righteousness. On the flip side, as we see in our text, we know those who are the children of the devil because they produce unrighteousness. That is to say that the generative principle of the devil is so strong and so overwhelming in those who are yet to be regenerated or unregenerate that it will inevitably produce unrighteousness. Christ's seed is powerful and it produces righteousness. And this is why Jesus can say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, that you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear fruit good fruits. What's the point? What's the problem in Matthew chapter 17? The problem is that the seed is bad. The root is bad. And if we want to produce healthy fruits, then we have to go to the roots. And what we learn from John and from the rest of the scripture is that Jesus in his marvelous work of salvation has gone to the root of our unrighteousness. And he now, because his seed lives within us, produces righteousness in and through us for all to see. 
in order that the work of Christ might be put on full display. You see, the reality of Christ's work of righteousness in us is clearly seen seen in the righteous deeds that we do. And how do we do these righteous deeds? As we have learned, we must abide in Christ. How do we demonstrate to the world the power of Christ's work and lordship over sin and unrighteousness? We must abide in him and produce righteous deeds. How do we show Christ's authority over the devil and his victory over the prince of the power of the air? We abide in Christ and produce the righteousness that is found in him. You see, beloved, it is only as we abide in that life-giving principle of the Spirit of Christ that we can produce righteous living and therefore bear fruit to God and bring glory to the Father. But the opposite is also true. How do the children of the devil manifest themselves to be children of the devil? They abide in the devil. They walk or remain or continue in or conduct themselves according to the flesh. That is the one who is ruled by that very prince of the power of the air and therefore they produce unrighteous deeds. You see, beloved, the one thing that we cannot get around in this text is that we are to be producing good works as a demonstration of the life of Christ in us. But we must be careful that we understand the production of those works properly. They come from the seed of Christ in us and not from our own abilities. You see, beloved, we have no generative power in and of ourselves to produce genuinely righteous deeds. In the flesh, we cannot produce works that are worthy of the caliber of Christ, only in the Spirit. And therefore, we must abide in Christ We must walk by the Spirit. We must live by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, and Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And as we do, Jesus' power and glory will be clearly manifested for what it is in our righteous doings. We produce righteousness as the seed of Christ remains in us. But there's a second way as we close this morning. And I want us to see this because it sets us up then for the coming chapters and verses of the rest of the book of John. Remember I said that the demonstrative pronoun, by this we know who the children of God and the children of the devil are. This refers both back and forward. And notice what John does throughout the rest of this book. What he does is essentially gives us a catalog of that righteous living of Christ that is produced within us by Christ's seed. 
Notice what he does in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. I trust you have your Bibles open to 1 John. Notice what he does. And as we read through these, what you're going to find is that this phrase, by this, or that demonstrative pronoun, is repeated again and again and again. Notice 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Jump down to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love. You see what John is doing here? He's putting on full display the life of Christ in us so that we might know what is a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. There's a lot of talk these days of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we know if that demonstration is genuine? John lays it out here in his epistle. By this we know love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. 1 John chapter 4 verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. How do we know the righteous deeds of the spirits? How do we know those whom the regeneration and power of Christ has transformed their inner man in order that he might display the power of his gospel. How do we know? We look to his word. We look to the scripture. We look to John who will clearly demonstrate as we continue throughout this book, what is the spirit of Christ? What is the work of Christ? What are the deeds of righteousness? It's why the word of God is so important for us who believe. It's because in here we know who we are. We know what we have obtained. We know what we look forward to. It is in God's word 
that we understand all that Christ has done for us in the power of the gospel. And therefore, to abide in Christ is to find ourselves in the scripture and to believe it to be true, to embrace it, to submit to it. If this is love that Christ gave himself for the church, How do we know when we are exercising the love of Christ? When we give ourselves for our brothers and sisters. This is how we know what it means to abide in Christ. And therefore the word becomes the central focus of our obsession. And I think that's an okay word to use in this context. We should be obsessed with the word we should be continually focusing and reading and seeing christ in all of his glory through the word and as we do and as we trust and as we go back to the seed which is christ we will manifest the purpose for his coming we will manifest the reality that he will establish in full display on that great day. Here's the question that this text poses to each one of us this morning, beloved. Do we have a personal responsibility to do righteousness? And the answer is absolutely yes. But how do we do that righteousness? It's only as we abide in Christ. And therefore, abiding in Christ becomes of the utmost value. It becomes crucial to our life in this world and even our life in the church. Abiding in Christ becomes all the more crucial if we want to love our brothers and sisters rightly. It becomes all the more crucial if we want assurance before a holy God. It becomes all the more crucial for discerning proper spirits. It becomes all the more crucial to know how we are to love others rightly. It becomes all the more crucial for obeying God's commands. You see, beloved, if Christ's seed lives in us we will produce righteous deeds because his seed is more powerful and more glorious than any generative principle in all of eternity. And therefore, as we abide in him, we will manifest the righteous character of Christ revealed in scripture, and we will make ourselves known to be the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your grace. Father, would you use this text of Scripture in the lives of your people? May our desire be to do righteousness, and may we look to Christ in order to understand what that righteousness is. May we not look to the sentiments of our culture or even to the learning of our scholars, May we look to the word. May we look to the apostles and the prophets upon which the church is built, Christ himself being the cornerstone. 
Father, if our desire is to serve and to please you, which as the Spirit of Christ lives in and through us, Father, may we look to you in all things. We're so thankful for it. Would you impress this upon our hearts? And we pray this in your name. Amen.